to Your Property Podcast. I'm here as usual with uh, co-host Michelle Kens. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. How are you? We're still recovering yeah. after the pandemic, aren't we? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. It was a good night. <laughs> it was. Uh, what time did you get in again? Uh, very early. Very early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Early in the night. So about early. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we are joined by who is soon to become a regular columnist in YPN and she's sort of becoming a, a name for herself Rupal Patel I hope I said that right it's right. Rupal but it's close enough Rupal I'm so sorry okay that's Hold okay uh, we are joined here today with Rupal Patel uh, welcome how are you Yay, well, thank you. I'm so pleased to be here. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm really, really good and excited to be here with you and Michelle. Yeah, you've just come back from a weekend in Paris and we were just... Uh, yeah, so a few days. It wasn't the weekend, that sadly. It was just oh. a, a week um, during the week. Uh, it was a sort of a half business, half uh, fun trip with uh, one of my business buddies. Um, and it was, yeah, it was really, really great. A bit too short, but um, it mm. was nice to get away. Yeah, we were just sort of talking offline before we officially press record about how we're all sort of clinging on to yeah. <laughs> until the holidays until it's time to um sort of relax it's a getting bit. so dangerously close to this well yeah i mean days until december and now we can justifiably just let go of everything yeah you know what? i turned the radio on and they were playing christmas music and i Yay! was not i was not happy about it i'm like scrooge well this is <laughs> our holiday knowledge. gift to you guys at home there you it? go yeah. <laughs> yeah. we'll get you through the christmas season or if you're listening to this in the new year yeah yeah start you off for the new year yeah so um we're just sort of gonna get together we are three young ladies in the property industry so we were just thinking we're, we're going to just sort of talk about that, aren't we? Yeah, yeah there's so absolutely. much. Absolutely. So RuPaul's got a lot of experience in uh, working with women. And we just thought it was, you know, it'd be a great idea to have her on the podcast and share, you know, her experiences about, you know, why did you decide to start working with biz- women as a sort of niche in your business? Oh, my God. So many reasons. Okay. Uh, so the first big one is that for me personally, uh, I think it's so important that women hold on to their ambition throughout the course of their lives. I know so many women um, who are friends or colleagues or former coworkers or whatever, who, you know, had big dreams, big goals, big ideas, all of these things. And then either they got married or had kids or you know something happened that sort of knocked their confidence a bit and then they just continued to put themselves second third fourth fifth like they never came first their goals took a backseat to everybody else's to helping um, other people thrive and succeed and it just really well to put it very bluntly it just pissed me off You know, there are so many, at least again, in my immediate world, um, so many high, highly capable, you know, qualified, driven women who for, again, a combination of external and internal uh, pressures, just, just give up on themselves. And I think for me, what I've realized is that having a strong community around you can make all the difference in the world. And so I wanted to create a community that would support that, that was about women supporting other women as they pursue their ambitions, pursue their dreams. And they don't, you know, make the trade-off of putting themselves, you know, 
second all the time. Now this, you know, a lot of the women that I work with, um, you know, or, and that I've met are mothers or, you know, they have partners, they don't become these isolated, you know, humans that have nothing else going on in their lives. But it's again, it's being a part of a community that, that understands what else is going on with them um, and can show them how you can be for example, a partner and a parent and a business owner, and you don't have to choose one or the other because men never do. You know, men get to sort of have, right. quote unquote, have it all, or they can continue to be parents, they can continue to be, um, you know, entrepreneurs, whatever it is. And it's never, a, you know, a question as to whether or not they would, you know, let go of one or the other because the people around them just make stuff happen <laughs> to enable, uh, you know, obviously I'm talking in broad brushes here, but generally that's the way I saw it. And then the second thing is, is that, I, again, I think what I've started to realize is that even when women are successful, they are plugged into this little niche. They get the adjective. They're the first female founder of X, Y, and Z. Mm. They're the first female millionaire. And, you know, I was talking to my friends about this last week, and I was like, you know, it's men's successes become everybody's successes. And everybody talks about them. Everybody shares them. Everybody reads their books, listens to their podcasts, you know, talks about them as role models, whereas women's successes are almost always exclusively pigeonholed into women's stuff. So, you know, for example, if you ask a man, you know, who is Sarah Blakely, no one would be able to tell you she is the first self-made billionaire founder woman and was the youngest billionaire, you know, self-made billionaire. But because she's a woman and she, you know, sort of started with creating um, products for women, sort of she's marginalized, but everybody knows, you know, can rattle off 10 male entrepreneurs or men entrepreneurs. So it's sort of rebalancing all of that and just being like, look, we've got a lot going on and I want us to, to celebrate each other's successes and help other women, um, yeah, just become hugely successful. Mm, and there's also what I've noticed is um, sort of when you come across a woman who's sort of you know very ambitious and very driven in their career they're sort of, yep. she's sort of broad brushed with being um cold mm -hmm. um you know very it's sort of un, unladylike i suppose yes. because she's yeah. like aggressive or not aggressive but like acting the same way as a man would yeah or is um, expected to be you know to act that way or people will you know would call a man ambitious but they call a woman a bitch excuse the french yeah might have to edit that yeah. out you know but it's okay for a man to have drive and have you know goals and whatever that he pursues doggedly but if a woman does the same you know it's a total double standard um mm. and and again you know you're right it, it happens all the time mm. so is it something that you kind of um you said that you notice a lot of your sort of friends and family it was it was uh, happening to them but was it something that you personally struggled with Thankfully, no. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, okay, no. Struggled with, yes, in the sense of like, look, it's not easy, you know. Um, mm. And again, women, for whatever reason, we often lack inner confidence or we, you know, have other external pressures as to, um, you know, what is expected of us and the trade offs we are expected to make. But, you know, I was lucky in that, for example, my parents were always, always, always instilling in all of us. So I've got, you know, I'm one of four, two girls and two boys. And whether, you know, they were equal about, you know, encouraging all of us to, you know, shoot for the stars, to be hugely successful, to never give up on our dreams. My mom is probably the best role model ever because, you know, she had a career, still is working at 71, um, you know, as a, as a doctor. And she, you know, she had four kids, but didn't, you know, ever let 
that stop her from pursuing her career. And she was also a fantastic mother. Um, and so, you know, I was lucky to have good role models around me, but it's still, you get that, that counterbalancing expectation of like, oh, well, you know, a woman should be this or a woman should be that, or you shouldn't shine too brightly, or you shouldn't be so bold. And that's something that I think, you know, again, for me personally, it's, it's been really helpful to be around others and have other role models to be like, well, actually, you know what, they're awesome. They're, you know, that woman, for example, is really sweet and she's also really successful and she hasn't let, you know, success change her or, you know, having a small group of friends on WhatsApp where we regularly, you know, sort of get together and, and you know, help each other both with the personal and the, the business side of things. Um, so I think everybody struggles. It's just, again, the struggles that we face are sometimes different based on our gender mm. because of what's expected of us. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I think what you I just want to pick up when you said before about, you know, when men sort of seem to have it all, but you said something like that they put things in place so that they can do that. Yeah. And, you know, that's something that obviously you're, you're trying to encourage women to do is put those things yeah. in place. And exactly. obviously we spoke in the past about you creating systems in pro- property yep. to allow yep. you to do it. So um, I think, you know, for a lot of women, you know, obviously some women, you know, choose to have the family or the, and that's their, that's their main focus and they, they want that to be, and that's fine. Yeah. But for, I think what you're trying to say is that there are some women who actually still do want the career and they want to continue yeah. developing themselves, but yeah. maybe they just don't know how it's possible. I mean, exactly. I know lots of people, lots of women like that. And they're thinking, you know, they kind of look at me and think, well, you know, it's okay for me because I don't have children or it's okay yeah. for me because you know, I'm, I have more free time or whatever it is. Um, but it's not a case of that. It's about prioritizing and, um, and, and setting, like you said. So can you talk to us a bit about, you know, what women, what, what's, what, what is available for women in terms Mm. of the, you know, their property career where they can create those environments, supportive environments, but also those processes? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Um, I mean, I would say at the bare minimum, you know, as women, we need to all probably get a bit better at just asking both for help, but also for what we need or want. So, for example, um, you know, if you are starting a property business and you do have kids um, and your partner is not in property or if you have a partner or if you have, you know, a support network around you and you need somebody to help watch the kids on a couple of evenings a night so you can uh, a week, sorry, so that you can go to a networking event or so that you can do a, you know, listen to a webinar or whatever. You know, so many people just say, oh, well, I can't do it because, oh, I've got the kids. Well, yeah, you've got kids, but have you ever asked for the help that you want that would enable you to perhaps, you know, and it's not available to everyone, right? So I don't want to assume that everybody's got a potential support network around, but at the, you know, again, if you do have a partner and you have children together, and that is one of the reasons that you feel you can't do what you want to do, well, your partner is very, just as equally the parent to those kids. So why should it always fall to the mother um, or to the woman to be the one who's going to be the one staying at home? And, you know, again, like if, if, for example, in a hypothetical scenario, you know your partner has like a Christmas dinner that he has to go to for work well that's just as legitimate and and expects you to watch the kids then it's just as legitimate for you to ask for your partner to then uh, and this is all sort of very heteronormative so I'm again talking in very broad brushes but you know ask for the help you need if you've got a partner um, or family nearby or even friends you know again I know a lot of um, of people sort of uh, my mother-in-law often talks about how when you know when she was raising her kids that uh, on, in the neighborhood they would just do sort of like a child uh, child sort of babysitting share where you know one evening it was one uh, one 
family that watched all the neighborhood kids. Another evening, it was another family. So again, just look for these support networks and try to create them if they don't exist. But the key is that you have to be willing to ask and you have to be willing to view your goals and your dreams as important enough to ask somebody to help you realize them. So I think, again, it's sort of that first step is so key is like, yes, I'm definitely going to invest in myself. I'm definitely going to pursue my property goals, my dreams and, you know, becoming an investor, whatever it is. And I believe in it so much that, you know, I, I want it and I will ask others to help me in whatever way they can. And sometimes you just have to pay a babysitter, you know, <laughs> and, and find the support that way. If you can't always get it with, with your immediate support network, sometimes you do have to pay for the help. Um, and again, I know this is not accessible to everybody, but you know, within reason, um, you've got to be willing to invest in yourself both financially and with the time that you make for things, um, as well as the time that you create for things by asking others to help you. Um, so that's one just sort of general tip. And then as far as the systems and stuff is concerned, I mean, you know, some of it is is also just the way you prioritize your day-to-day -day life. There's this great book that I'm in the middle of listening to called The Big Leap uh, by this um, man called Gay Hendricks. And in it, he talks about how he was coaching one of his clients who was a best-selling author <clears throat> And she was asked to write a second book and she could never find the time to write the book because she was always taking care of her family and doing the housework and, you know, taking the kids to school. And he said, well, so, you know, walk me through a typical day. And she did. And then he's like, okay, well, based on your actual activities, uh, I can see that your uh, first priority is your family. Your second priority is your housework and your third priority is your book. And she's like, no, that's not it at all. And he's like, well, you know, by your behavior, this mm. is what you are prioritizing. You are getting all of the, the kids to school, the husband out the door and doing the housework before you sit down to do anything for your book. And she's like, you're right. And he's like, so put the book, if the book is a higher priority than housework, then put it before the housework, you know, and, mm. and I sort of went on this extended thing only because I myself, you, you know, it's a blessing and a curse that I now get to work from home. But so many um, people, and again, it is mostly women who have sort of laughed about this with, it's like, yeah, well, you know, I can, unless the, the dishes are clean and the laundry is done and the beds <laughs> are made, I can't get started because it just, it's sitting there weighing on me. And it's like, okay, but then own the fact that you are prioritizing housework over your property business. Don't tell me you can't, but you know. That's something that I cannot relate to because I will do anything to get out of doing housework. <laughs> <laughs> I hate doing housework. Um, so the amount of times that like, so my other half sort of works away quite a lot and um, yeah. he'll come back on a Friday night and he'd be like, you know, the place is a tip. I'm like, oh my well, gosh, I'm, I'm, I'm just working so hard. And that just, is a I, good <laughs> problem to have because genuinely, you know, it, but you're living your priorities. And I think that's what it is. It's like, okay, let's, let's not talk overly about housework because again, this is just going to sort of, you know, sort of entrenched stereotypes. But the reality mm -hmm. is, is like, if you've got a priority, make it the priority. Don't say mm -hmm. your priority is to, you know, call agents and find your first or 10th property deal and then spend your day browsing on Facebook, doing the housework, chatting to, you know, your friend, your coworkers, if you're in an office job or whatever, you've got time. We all have time. It's just how we are prioritizing it. And it, sometimes it is, you know, you have to be brutal with yourself and say, okay, well, what am I actually spending my time on? And does this marry up with what I'm telling myself are my priorities? And so often there is a bit of a disconnect. So that's the second tip really is the big one is like, 
understand what your priorities are, make whatever, you know, make your success, your property, business, um, et cetera, a priority, but then act on it as a priority as opposed to letting it, you know, squeezing it in whenever you quote unquote find time. The time, you'll never find time. You have to make the time. And if you're, mm-hmm. if you're blessed enough to, you know, again, have, um, be super focused, that's great. But, you know, just own up to the fact of if this is a priority, you have to do it before all of the other tedious things that can fill up a day. And what about, you know, uh, what you do is sort of bring women entrepreneurs together. How important do you think that is to have, um, you know, people sort of, you know, women who are like-minded in the same position as each other, you know, sort of similar goals uh, in that kind of community together. Um, And I say that because, you know, we met about a year and a half ago. And, you know, when I met you, Rachel, I, I just thought, wow, you know, like, there's not many women that I know in the industry that I would consider sort of you know role models or or like-minded in that you know I think yeah actually this is you know and you've got your own family and your own business and it's yeah. just um I think it's it is it is important isn't it um oh gosh, but can you yeah. can you explain sort of how you see that as important a hundred percent. To me, it is two things. One, it's the physical energy. Like I think we communicate so much as human beings without a lot of things being spoken. And, you know, as you said, when we first met a year and a half ago, there was something about you too. I didn't know you very well. We'd had passing conversations as you do at these, at these events, sort of over lunch or whatever, but there is definitely an energy exchange, right? And, and whether we're picking up on it consciously or unconsciously, there is something so powerful about a group of people, men and women or mixed or separate, whatever, who come together with a similar purpose, with similar ideas, similar ambitions, similar, you know, whatever else it is that you want to call it. But being in a physical space together, it is so, so powerful just from an energy perspective, because you find that, you know, as everybody says, sort of the like, like attracts like, and you'll meet these people who then become, as you said, sort of role models or who will show you how they're doing something that you're interested in doing. There's both a, like a, 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 um, a intangible as well as a very tangible benefit to creating these communities. And, and going back to, so the second point was, you know, what something you raised as well was this idea of role models. I think the other thing is, is that so many of us don't think something is possible or think it's too difficult or won't work for me or whatever, because we just haven't seen a role model. And, you know, this is, uh, so, you know, Michelle, you and I care both, uh, both, um, we've talked a lot about, you know, fitness and, and physical well-being. Um, and one of the things for me, this is very personal, I haven't really shared this publicly, um, is when I did first get pregnant, that was the hardest part one of the hardest parts of being pregnant was just my physical body changing. And I mm. was so depressed for a while. I was like, this baby's going to ruin my body. And it's, I'm never going to be as fit as I once was and blah, 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 blah. And I was having this conversation with my husband, who's very, very just a can do person. And he was like, look, he's like, you're just rattling off all of the cautionary tales of people who have let themselves go after they've had kids. He's like, look at all of the people in your immediate life. And he rattled off some of my friends who have had kids and also have still maintained their level of fitness. You know, they've gotten their bodies back in whatever way that means, whatever. And he's like, so why don't you focus on them as the role models? And it was this small little shift, but it made the biggest difference in the world because I am 
like many people, I think, or at least some people, the type of person who needs to see somebody else do it in order for me to believe that it's possible. And so this idea of having role models, whether it's about, you know, having a role model that can show you how to start a business or how to start a business while, you know, being really into fitness and, and, and exercising regularly or somebody who does that on top of having a family or has really good friendships, whatever it is, I think sometimes we tell ourselves that we physically can't do it um, because it hasn't been done before. But I think some of it is because a lot of it is actually, at least for me, has been because, you know, I haven't seen the role models of other people who have done what I want to do. And so that is the power of the community. That is the reason I want to bring people together is because I want women to come together and be like, oh, wow, this person and I share so many different things in common and they're doing X. So it's possible for me too. And it's just expanding the idea of what is possible, seeing role models, seeing examples. And of course that helps with things emotionally, but then having that connection, you can talk to them about the practical aspects. Like, what did you do? How did you you know, start that business while you were pregnant with twins? Or how did you, uh, you know, sort of maintain a really sort of good uh, social network with all of your friends and while you were starting an early stage business or whatever the questions are. But sometimes it's, you know, we just need to talk to people who have done it. And unless you're in a room of people who have done it and are on the same page, it's sort of hard because the only other models you see are the crappy ones on TV or, um, you know, people in sort of your day-to-day -day life who might not share the same aspirations that you do. Yeah, there's also like, talking about the crappy role models on TV, there's always like the sense of, if you think of a sort of a typical chick flick, there's yeah. always like that one person where there's like a, the two main characters or like there's somebody that the main female character has to sort of have a feud with yeah and yeah. that person is usually another woman and that yeah. kind of puts on like a sense of all women should be um sort of competing with each other and yeah. um i don't know and i just think that's wrong oh it's horrible and and, 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 and popular culture you guys instills this in us from forever this idea that women have to compete either for jobs or for men or for resources or even for a place at the table like i was i, I there's this wonderful business coach uh called denise duffield thomas and if you guys um and the listeners haven't read any of her stuff such an amazing human being i recommend her to everybody and she calls and she calls it sort of this the, the highlander myth that there can only be one success and one woman at the top and what and and that's a message only women get right that it's mm -hmm. and it references some movie that i haven't seen so i'll butcher it if i try to explain it but <laughs> um but you know and it's everywhere like my my daughter for example she's two and a half she loves this stupid cartoon called paw patrol and for the longest time in the first like i don't know five like dozens of, of episodes there was one girl dog character and the others were boys and that's and I was thinking about it like growing up all of the cartoons I watched there were these there was this show called Thundercats that I was obsessed with there were like all of these other things and there was it was the default was men and then there would be one token girl and that myth of there can only be one there's only room for one is something that we have so deeply internalized as a as a as a gender 
that, yeah, it, then all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, you know, this woman's got a really huge, this woman is, you know, really successful in property, so I can't do it because, you know, the, the woman's slot has already been taken. Um, or if you do want to take it, then it creates this false sense of rivalry. And it's just totally, it is just false. You know, there is enough for all of us. There's enough seats at the table. There's like, you know, it's that whole idea of having an abundance mindset. And, and that is something that's really hard to, to internalize when we're constantly being bombarded with these messages that, you know, there's only room for one woman, there's only room for one woman of color or one person of color, or whatever it is. And that's just not the way the world is anymore. And we have to start, you know, sort of being effectively the, the change that we want to, that we want to see, which is again, sort of why I think it's so important that women are not just successful, but become visibly successful and visibly successful, not necessarily in, you know, in ways that compete with other women. Like I am always telling, uh, you know, others about other women coaches, other women investors. It's just, I don't view it as a competition because it's not. Um, but you know, we all have to start uh, being the ones to prove that it's not a competition and act like it's not. Well, you've done it, haven't you? You know, uh, and, you know your your recent place on the board uh, <laughs> as well. But it's uh, yeah, it, you know, it's great to see you kind of pushing out there, and um, you know, the the group that you've just joined recently. It's like you're you're the first woman in you know in that mastermind group, um, yeah. which is fantastic to see, and and hopefully many more. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah uh, exactly. And I think again, ladies, like the what what. I just, for me, I don't want this to be like a thing about like women versus men, because it's again, it's not a competition. It's just about representing accurately the ambition and the drive and the aspirations of the entire population. It's not just men who want to be successful property investors. It's not just men who want to be prime ministers or CEOs or any of these things. And the fact that, you know, we are 51% of the population, but still such a small sliver of visibly represented leaders in every, you know, industry and in every way you want to you know, define the world leader, I think it's just crazy, you know? And so some of it is like, the reason I feel so strongly about this and, and why I created um, Entrepreneura, which is this community of, of, of women founders, is really just to start normalizing success and wealth for women so that it's not a thing. So we're not having this conversation decades from now. Um, and it's just, yeah, like obviously, you know, hopefully my dream is that like in at least a generation or two, people will look back and be like, why are we going on and on about gender? You know, like, what are you going about housework? Like the robots do the housework, right? But I think it's a really important point that you make because it's it, this, you know, this isn't about you know women versus men or anything like that. I think you know what you know the purpose of this podcast is like really is to go deeper than that and say you know you mentioned before about you know women when women come together and they have these conversations about oh how did you do this and how did you do that yeah. you know there are things that are different for women than mm -hmm. than men generally mm -hmm. speaking um and you know those specific questions you know for example i was just talking to um a, you know somebody recently and we were talking about viewings and we were saying how um you know this this particular person said you know she, she didn't really like going on viewings on her own especially when you go into you know in property it's somebody's house and it's mm. you know usually the man and you know there is a, an element of uh discomfort um yeah. it's you know you're not necessarily well you know some some people may feel unsafe in yeah. that environment and i think uh you know that's not always 
appreciated by men yeah. in the same way yeah. um but i was like yeah and you know that type of conversation where it's like well she was asking me how i deal with it how do i go yeah. and i you know i say to her well literally like last week i text my friend and i was like i just yeah. like i just text randomly addresses and she's like well, you know I, she's used to it now but i'm like this is where i'm gonna be for the next hour yeah. she just knows that this, this is address yeah. Yeah. um because it is a you know it can be uncomfortable and you know, that's just one example of many of how things are different but you know what you were saying before about okay it, i like that it's about the energy it's about bringing people together the energy yeah. the role models and also that understanding so yes can you just tell us a bit more about how that how that can you know help women move forward and make progress yes in part of that group I think for me, it's just to reassure us that we're not freaks. Like, you know, <laughs> and, we're and, not and, crazy for, you know, I, wanting to be good at something. I know. We're not and just having, wanting to sit and do all the dishes all day. Exactly. We have brains. We have, <laughs> and we have brains that we want to use in ways that will definitely help other people sometimes. But you know what? Sometimes we just want to make money because that will enable us to do things that we want to do, you know, whatever everybody's individual desires or goals or drivers are, it doesn't matter. You know, the, the key is really just is, is, is to, yeah, come together and be like, wow, I don't have to explain in a room full of women, you know, the things that you sometimes you have to explain in mixed company because we just sort of get it. We get the way that we constantly not have to be hypervigilant, but our, there's a low grade level of awareness that our physical safety, even just on a day to day sort of walking around the street, yeah. you know, is it's not under threat, but you have to be aware that yeah. we are more often than not, you know, sort of at least <clears throat> physically putting ourselves in some small amount of risk. And sometimes it's a bigger amount of risk depending on, on the environment. But like, again, our being aware of our physical safety is something that we just learn to live with and we don't even question anymore uh, because it's just something that comes with the territory of being a woman, right? And so mm -hmm. like that conversation that you had, you know, with this other woman investor, like she couldn't have that with a man because he'd be like, oh, well, it's not yeah. a big deal. Just like, you know, why would you, why would you even worry about it? And it's like, because you don't have to worry yes. about it as a man. <laughs> exactly. So, it doesn't exactly. mean nobody does, you know? And it's, mm. I think it really is just that, that reassurance that like these questions aren't crazy. These questions aren't superficial. They're not a reflection of a weakness that we have, yes. you know, that's going to limit us. It's just the reality of how the world is slightly different for us because of our gender. And even questions about, I mean, this is a thing that really drives me crazy as well but like questions about appearance and dress code again women are far more often judged positively or negatively about by their physical appearance and the number of times that I've had you know conversations with friends who have really high level like corporate jobs at you know big banks and big companies when it's like oh well yeah you know I can't wear this to work because it might be considered too revealing or it might be considered too butch or it might be you know you can't win you know? and so, again these conversations they seem like they're they're frivolous but this is the mental energy that gets wasted on the things that men don't have to think about. And there is a real tax, like a, a real sort of, uh, it is physically taxing to always have to be thinking about, okay, well, you know, do, am I being nice enough? Or am I not being too nice? Am I being, you know, considered, do I look professional or do I look too unprofessional? Like this, this idea of, of our physical appearance, about how we're being perceived about our, our, all of this, you know, all of these extras that seem like extras. These are things that women sometimes spend hours a day 
thinking about how can I assert myself without being seen as aggressive? How can I ask for what I want, but without being seen as a diva? You know, these Mm. conversations that we have in our heads, they genuinely take up time, energy, effort, emotion that therefore cannot be channeled into growing our businesses. So it's not just, oh, well, let's have a conversation about it just because you were having idle chit chat about, oh, how hard it is to be a woman. It's more like, okay, well, this is the reality of how the world treats us differently. How can we, as women who understand what it's like, just have an easy and open conversation about how we have addressed these things in a productive way that has helped us move forward. And that, like I said, is a conversation you can't have with a man because he's just not experienced it in the same way. Men obviously have their own stuff going on. Um, but again, you know, coming together as women, that's, that's why I see that it can be so, so powerful. It's like we just get each other by default. There's a baseline level of just sort of nodding and understanding mm-hmm. that happens. Mm-hmm. That is really nice. You don't have to explain yourself. Yeah, and I think sort of adding on to that, there's also um, society like expectations of, um, so for example, I was at a big family do, and I'm pretty sure every single woman knows what I'm about to say. So I've been with my boyfriend now for like, you know, a while. <laughs> and um, at this big family do, there was people, uh, you know, family members who I've not seen in forever yeah. asking me when I'm going to get married. <laughs> when am I going to provide grandchildren? <laughs> when am I going to provide, you know, great grandchildren? And yeah. I'm just thinking, hold on, my cousin over there is the same age as me. And is he getting quizzed like this? Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. <laughs> no, because boys don't have an expiration date. Apparently girls do. No. And that's, <laughs> that's one of the other things. It's again, this, this, and this is something that is, I think, cross cultures um, and, and, you know, I think is slowly changing, but only very slowly. It's like women are seen as having very real, and I say this very uh, carefully, expiration dates, both from, you know, again, we're often reduced to our reproductive capabilities. So, oh my gosh, if you're, you know, past 30 and you haven't have a kid, what's going to happen to you? And like, why don't, you know, what, you're not fulfilling your, your role as a, as an incubator, you know? So that's one thing that I think is crazy. And then secondly, again, physically, like I remember when I was, oh, well, uh, I don't want to say anything uh, that's going to embarrass my poor mom, but you know, we come from in a traditional Indian family and the, the, the conventional wisdom amongst Indian families is that a a woman, girl, whatever, quote unquote, loses her beauty after 25. So, oh God, I turned 26 uh in December. Well, okay, first of all, why 25? Why not 27? Why not 21? Like these numbers are totally arbitrary, right? But beyond beyond that, it's this idea of that like, oh, well, women are only useful up to a certain point and then they just have to settle for whatever they get kind of thing. You know, they sort of get seen as like the, what's it, the the old mistress down the road. Yeah, the old, like the weird cat lady, right? That nobody (laughs) wants to talk to. And this, but you know, and we can laugh about it because it's funny and because it's just not true. But again, if you look at Hollywood, you know, like people like Brad Pitt, Tom Cruise, they're doing movies well into their 50s and 60s, whatever they are now. I mean, Al Pacino and whoever else is like much older. How many women can you name who are, have like, you know, visible high profile leading lady roles after their 30s not very many and if they do it's usually because they're playing like an old woman or a mom and you know some secondary roles it's like again like women are seen as having a shelf life 
both, you know, sort of for <laughs> reproductive capabilities, for being mm. physically appealing, for being useful in any, you know, meaningful way. Um, and that's just so messed up, right? And it's also just so not true. Um, and so some of it is part of what I just want us all to do is just start bucking the trends and bucking the expectations, right? Like mm. you did it. You're like, yeah, well, I mean, I don't know how you responded to your family, but you're like, well, I'm not getting married. And that's right. There was, a, there was a certain swear word and a certain finger. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. But that's the thing, you know, like we all have to choose our own path and it's so much harder for women to do something that's slightly non-traditional because again, you know, rightly or wrongly, uh, whatever the expectations are, that's what they are but what I like what I want to for me very personally what I am very conscious of now that I have a daughter is what am I role modeling for her mm -hmm. so both in terms of success in terms of intellectual capability in my you know sort of engagement with the world and <clears throat> how I believe in myself how I put myself forward in all of these big and small things and, and, you know, again, and taking care of myself physically, you know, all, whatever, big and small ways I can, I, I always think like, what message am I giving to her? And basically, I, the message I want her to get, and that I want to ins help instill in the other women, you know, that I have in any way connected with, is that you can do anything. And mm -hmm. it's never too late ever too late. I mean, if I had given up on my, my quote unquote, marriageable prospects at 25, like, that would have been really stupid. We can all laugh about that. But so many women give up on their careers at 25. They say, Oh, well, you know, oh, I'm probably going to get married in a couple of years, or whatever it is, I'm going to have a kid. And, you know, it's, it's not worth, you know, going for the top role, or it's not worth really gunning for it. Um, or, you know, or, or after you, you get married and have a kid, it's like, Oh, well, I'm married now. And I'm in my, you know, X age now. Uh, so I'm too old. And it's like, no, look for the people who are proving that it is possible. Like Ariana Huffington started the Huffington Post when she was 55. How many people know that and are consciously, and there's this whole revolution of like, you know, 40 plus entrepreneurs who are starting these really, really amazing businesses. But again, Hollywood has created this artificial fictionalized character of like this, you know, snotty nosed, pimply face, like college kid working out of a garage who then creates the next like six bazillion pound valuation company. And that is, it's, I mean, that gets headlines because it is exceptional, but it's exceptional, right? That is the mm. exception. That's not the norm. There are dozens, thousands, hundreds of, of millionaires and entrepreneurs and, you know, whatever, again, figures you want to talk about or categories you want to talk about that sort of denote success in some way who are doing it at a quote unquote advanced age. And, and for women in particular, again, who are so used to being, you know, not seen um, and being seen even less after a certain age, I think it's important to just be like, well, that's really dumb. Like, here I am world, like Ariana Huffington, 55, you know, who I, that's the, the one that comes to mind most immediately. But like, you know, I'm 38. I'll be 39 in a couple on December 19th. Um, and I'm not giving up on myself. I'm still going to be out there, you know, going for it. Like, it's just stupid not to. It's never too late. And we can do anything. We just have to keep going. What about, mm. um, you know, in terms of, you know, like what you're saying there about, you know, the whole um, Hollywood thing and how women are portrayed in terms of their jobs and their aspirations but mm -hmm. do you think there's a shift because for me it feels like a bit of a shift because well I'm part of that of like mm -hmm. actually you know I don't want to depend on 
one career uh, and property uh, or I don't want to depend on a man or a institution the government pension whatever actually what property gives me is that freedom and that independence so that I am in control of my destiny I'm in control of my um you know my finances as well so um you know talk to us a bit about how you know have you seen that in terms of what your you know the work you do with women are Mm. there similar goals um in what they want to achieve yeah I think you know I mean it's sort of that how long is a piece of string kind of question I think it can be so different for so many but one of the things that I try to (laughs) brainwash others into into thinking (coughs) at least is exactly what you just said it's like how can I become financially independent and and I mean that in all senses of the word independent from banks independent from as yeah. you said from employers from the government independent from a partner who might have been supporting you know you or one you know whatever over the course of time whatever it is like I think it was Virginia Woolf that said you know a woman needs money in a room of her own and it's true like you yeah. I, I think it's really important that whether you're in a relationship or not whether yes. you any of that stuff is totally irrelevant and I'm very lucky that again my mom from the earliest I could remember. I I mean, she always said that it's always women. It's always important for a woman to never depend on anyone else and to have a career or to have an income that is untouchable by anybody else. So again, you know, it can mean different things to different people. Like for me, this, the, what, what that means is creating for me personally, it has been creating a business that, you know, provides an income and security from so that I'm not beholden to the dictates of anybody else, any, you know, sort of boss or anything like that. And yes, of course, I created my business with my partner, who's now my husband. So, you know, we're 50 50 um, owners in the business. Um, But, you know, we also have completely have completely separate uh, bank accounts, you know, we never, (laughs) for example, um, combined our personal bank accounts, even after getting married, the only money we ever share is our business money, everything else. It's like, you know, it's not like I'm like, oh, that's my money. I'm not going to share it with you or whatever. But it's like, I can do what I want. You know, if I want to, mm. if I want to sign up for a course, I can do it. If I want to, um, you know, I don't know, buy a really nice coffee maker, I can do it. It doesn't have to be a material thing. It's just that reassurance mentally of knowing like nobody owns me. And that mm. is the most, for again, yeah. different people care about different yeah. things, but it's such an important thing to just have that confidence and have that fallback and to, to start building it slowly. There's, um, you know, you don't all have to become successful entrepreneurs overnight. Nobody does really, but there's this woman called Lois Frankel who's written this great book called um, uh, Nice Girls Don't Get Rich. And it talks about all of the money mistakes that women make. And a lot of it is around dependence. A lot of it is around the emotion, um, you know, put on money and material goods and whatever else it is. But some of it is also just common sense. It's like live within your means, save a little bit of money each month, you know, start putting away for a nest egg or for an investment. And that, and again, looking at investment as investment, not as a risk. And so, you know, all of these things together, it's just like, figure your money shit out, you know, like, don't, don't just rely on a job or a, or a partner or anybody else, you are capable, you can do it, but you need to start figuring out how to do it and start taking steps towards it. And sometimes it starts as small as like saving 10 pounds a month you know, whatever you can do, but it has to start as soon as possible so that um, you're, you know, in, in however many years, you've gotten to a point where you're, you've got that freedom. And I think you're so right. Like, 
that is a driving factor for both a lot of men and women I know in yeah. properties. Yeah. Like they just wanted to be financially free, you know, and it's a great way of doing it. And it's so empowering as well when you get to the point where you're as a woman, you know, you're not dependent on your other half or yeah. your family or something uh for money. Yeah. And is is liberating in a way. You sort of go, yeah. actually, yeah, I can do this. I don't Tell need you. anybody. Although <laughs> um the other day I did say I actually, you know, I don't know whether any of you listen to the Guilty Feminist podcast, but this Ooh, was no. like Oh, you should you should listen to it. I think you'd love it. Okay. But they have a thing called um, "I'm a feminist," but (laughs) 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 mine mine happened um, the other day when I said to my boyfriend, "I said "Um, the sink is doing a thing and it's gurgling, and that's a boyfriend job." (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) And at that moment, I was thinking. I really shouldn't have said that because uh, (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I should be able to do it. But also as a woman, it is my choice to delegate. (laughs) There you go. And that's the thing, like there should be no but, right? You are a feminist, full stop. And being a feminist doesn't mean just being one thing. Like all human beings are incredibly complex. We're all a mix of of contradictions and and confusing. Like, you know, I was, uh, a friend of mine is um, a human design practitioner and she was doing my human design and she was like, one of the things that I haven't really figured out about you or I didn't realize until I saw your human design was like, you've got this really outgoing, gregarious personality, but you've got this hermit side to you where you just want to be by yourself and you need that alone time. And I was like, yeah, to me, that's not a contradiction. And same thing with feminism, you know, like you can want to be taken care of in certain ways, but not because you Mm. couldn't do it. Right. You can, you can want someone to open a door just because it's a respectful thing to do. It's acknowledging you as a human being, as opposed to because they think that you're weak and you can't hold the door open for yourself. And so you can want to be financially independent and be working towards it while still wanting to have your boyfriend pay for dinner when you go out from time to time. It's okay. Like you don't have to be just one thing. And I think with feminism, it it can sometimes feel quite constricting because it's like oh well I've, he's fixing the sink I can't consider myself a feminist it's like no you can you know being <laughs> I think you said it perfectly it was like it's about choice it's about choice and freedom mm-hmm. and and just rebalancing the imbalance in in the way our world has operated for the longest time so what would mm-hmm. you say to women who maybe there's some women listening to this who are uh, intrigued by property maybe they've um you know they've made a start in going to some meetings or they've they've got friends who are investing but they either don't know or they are struggling with Mm. taking that first step of getting the first property um signing the first deal whatever it is yeah what would you say to to women listening um do you know what it's the same for anybody who would ask me that question so men or women and i think um the, the key is really to just start, <clears throat> well, two things. It's one, to get smart, as smart as soon as possible. So it's things like, I, you know, I recommend YPN Magazine up and down because I think it is by far the best magazine for property investors. Thank you very so, much. Yeah, of course. Um, and, and it's not just because I'm on this podcast, obviously. Uh, but no, genuinely, you know, and I think so it's, it's one is to learn. I'm a bit of a nerd, so that's always my default anyway. But I think especially with, with property, you, you know, the mistakes can be massive and they can mm. be bankrupting and they can, you know, sort of undo in the blink of an eye everything you've been working towards for 10 years, right? So I would say the first step is to just get smart. And that means 
reading books, reading magazines, listening to podcasts, you know, joining whatever forums, Facebook groups, et cetera, that you can. And then, and then talking to real life people who are doing it. So, you know, it's all of this knowledge is, is helpful in theory, but it's, you know, then go out and start talking to people who are actually doing it again for that, that, you know, what we were saying earlier is like ideas, tips, practical suggestions of like what happens next and, you know, what was your experience with X, Y, and Z, whatever. Um, and then, and then you have to just take action. And the thing is, is like, we can all, there's always more information to be had. There's always, you know, another podcast, another blog, another YouTube video, something to watch. But at some point, and, and that's a very personal decision at some point, you know, for, for everybody, you know, how much information is enough, but at some point you have to take action. So once you've got all of the information that you think you, you need to get smart about property, to decide, you know, what strategy you want to, to pursue and, and what location you want to pursue it in, then you just have to start pounding the pavement and get started. Talk to estate agents, go to viewings, you know, look for properties that, that, that meet the criteria that, um, that you're interested in. And, and because you, with, as with everything in life, you only learn by doing, right? So once you've sort of gotten enough knowledge to know what you're looking for, then you have to start doing and start looking. And then you just have to make your best, like take your, um, make your best judgment and, and decide to go or no go on each particular property that you see. But the key is, is like, you're never going to find the perfect deal. So if what I always suggest to people is like, okay, well, this is a deal. These are your criteria. If it meets the criteria, then it's obviously worth considering pursuing or not. But the other thing that helps a lot of people and the fear and the sort of the anxiety that keeps from keeps them from actually going ahead is like, look, do the, the best case scenario, do the worst case scenario, have a, you know, plan A for, you know, you want to rent it out to professionals or plan B, then rent it out to a family or plan C, you know, do it as a, as service accommodation, whatever it is, but just, to, to assuage your own concerns and to work through all of your own fears, just play it all the way to the end. If I pursue this property and it goes completely horribly wrong because of X, Y, and Z, then what would happen? And that's getting to that point of like, okay, well then, you know, what would happen in the worst case scenario, worst case scenario, thinking through, okay, well, if that's the worst case scenario, what would I do if that happened? Is there, I don't know, insurance I could buy that could protect me again, you know, from it? Is there, um, you know, another way of investing that would protect me against it? Is there, you know, all of these other things that you can sort of start to tick off, you know, how you would, how you would um, address the problems? Because that was, I think, what paralyzes most people is like the, the uncertainty and the what ifs and the, oh my gosh, but it could all go horribly wrong. Well, you know, come up with contingency plans and then, you know, run the, the tape all the way to the end and say, okay, well, if it all comes, you know, goes completely pear-shaped, here are the various things that I can do to, to mitigate the risk and to, to minimize the risk as much as possible, because there's never going to be a completely riskless strategy um, and, or a completely riskless property. It's just the degree of risk and how you manage that risk. So get smart, talk to people, start, you know, sort of getting out there, talking to estate agents, viewing properties, and then, you know, do your due diligence, your analysis, <clears throat> and then you just have to, you have to take a leap of faith and say, I've done all of my due diligence. I've come up with, you know, contingency plans. I've worked through what would happen in a worst case scenario, and I'm comfortable with how I can handle it. And then you just got to do it. Um, mm. Yeah. And it's almost as if uh, with anything, once you've done your first one, mm -hmm. um, it kind of gets a bit easier. The first thing, the first one's always the hardest. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And that, and that is, I think what, then that's sort of the, 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 
the blessing and the curse is that it does get, well, in some ways it gets easier. In some ways the challenges just change or, or mm-hmm. <laughs> along with you. Mm-hmm. But so many people just stop after that first bad experience. They say, oh, I'm not cut out for it. Oh, I was clearly cursed from the beginning. Oh, there, you know, I'm not going to make it. I'm just going to cut my losses and, and then stop. And that might be, that might be, you know, a legitimate response. But the other thing is, is like, everybody goes through challenges. You cannot expect, I love, there's a sort of a, um, that woman, Denise Duffield Thomas, who I quoted again um, earlier, like she always says, she's like, you can't expect to be Oprah, but not have any haters. You know, you can't expect to have a portfolio that, that provides you, you know, financial independence and not expect to have any challenges. There's going mm. to be challenges and it's how you address them. It's, you know, again, the knowledge, the support, the people around you who can help you work through those challenges that will make all the difference in the world. And I can say with out a doubt that being a part of a community, being plugged into the, a community where people are, you know, entrepreneurs, property investors, working on their, their self-development, all of these things has, it, without exception, been the reason that I was able to dust myself off and get back up and, and keep going when things got tough, because they will just be tough. Like, it, it, it's, you know, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. So um, the challenges are part of the territory and you can't accept the glory without any of the pain. Mm-hmm. I think that's a sort of a good place to kind of end. Um, as this, you know, as we're sort of coming up to the Christmas season, um, yeah. I thought it might be, you know, whether you have any recommendations of books or podcasts. I know you've mentioned some sort of as we've gone along, but do yeah. you have any recommendations for, you know, well, male or female people yeah. to um, sort of absorb over their time off over Christmas and New Year? hundred percent. So, um, well, if I can give a shameless plug, I have a YouTube channel. Um, so if you guys want to watch some of the YouTube property specific, uh, YouTube videos, um, that I put up, it's, um, just at youtube.com backslash blue infinity property. Um, and I've got tons of, of content there. Um, that's just property specific, uh, for, um, just entrepreneurship specific and for women entrepreneurs. Again, I would love to invite you all to come check out um, my site, which is Entrepreneura, which is www.entreprenora.co.uk. Um, and then non rupal based content. Um, again, that woman, Denise Duffield Thomas, Chillpreneur is her most recent book. It is phenomenal. I love the title, it sort of captures it all. It's about how you can grow a profitable business without letting go of everything else, your health, your relationships, your sanity, et cetera. Um, it's written, her target audience is women, but it's the lessons are applicable to everybody. So Chillpreneur, Denise Duffield Thomas is, is a no brainer. Uh, the other one that's slightly strange, um, but I love the philosophy behind is, um, this woman, Marie Kondo, who wrote a book called The Life... Yeah, The Life... I Changing. love it! Yay! Good! Well, so yes, it's a great book called The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying, but what I love about it is it's, it's about... Technically, it's about tidying, but in her very sort of Japanese philosophical way, it's mm. about so much more than that. And the whole idea of just decluttering. So it's not just decluttering yeah. your physical environment, decluttering your mental environment, decluttering your relationships, like everything, because we get bombarded with so much noise in all aspects of our lives. And that book was really, really sort of transformational and helping me focus on just decluttering physical and emotional and everything. You know? um, So that's another one. And what else? Oh, and actually this one that I'm in the middle of right now called The Big Leap um, by this man called Gay Hendricks. Uh, it's, it's, 
yeah, it's just about people who sort of, it's about fulfilling your potential and, and living to your highest potential, which sounds a bit, you know, sort of uh, woo-woo, but he's got some really insightful tips. Um, and he was the, the one that I, that I quoted earlier. I can't remember in which context. Um, but yeah, I would say those three are definitely, um, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably already pre, uh, predisposed towards being a bit more open-minded mm -hmm. to things, right? So um, those three, I would say, are really, really great. Um, and as gifts to yourself as much as anybody else. Mm. Um, so on the back of that, I mentioned it earlier, but I absolutely love the Guilty Feminist podcast. Yay! Um, oh, cool. I, I got it. I, I started listening to it when I was running, um, just because okay. I just wanted something sort of easy to run to that I didn't really have to think about that much and it's yep. opened my eyes to so much and they talk about you know very successful women but also um sort of other kind of minority groups as well mm -hmm. and sort of how they all sort of linked in together and um it kind of just shows that you're not alone yeah awesome um, we're not free uh, no and they cover everything so they they cover everything from like women in classical music to women in the, uh, in the, uh, the stem is that the, the science technology engineering and maths um yeah. you know people who are doing amazing things and i was just listening to one yesterday which was about um fatherhood and fe huh. feminist fatherhood which was Ooh. really interesting Oh, I might have to play that for my husband and for me. <laughs> um, cool. And it's it's really funny as well. It's, it's, um, well, it sounds like I mean, the guilty feminist. Of, yeah, they get a lot of comedians on, so it's quite funny. I love it. Um, Michelle, anything that you want to add? Um, no, I think we've. Oh God, I think that's enough for people for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I think the decluttering one would be great over the Christmas period. So um, you know what, my mother gave that to me two years ago. It was a subtle okay. hint. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe say you're working on the internal decluttering before you yeah. start externally. <laughs> cool. No, it was lovely to have you on, Rupal, and um, oh, it was that's so great really, to be really, here. yeah, great. Lots of value there. Not yeah, definitely. It's, um, it's so nice to talk to other women who are doing what we're doing and yeah. make us feel normal. Yeah. <laughs> That's a nicer way of saying we're not freaks. <laughs> <laughs> well, make us feel like we belong as well. You exactly. Know. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Community, but it's good. Because I think we've all been in the situations, I know we're wrapping up, but I think we, we've all been in the situation where we've gone into a meeting or a course or something, and I have been able to count the amount of women on one hand. Yep. And have and fingers to spare. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I just sort of think, is, it, is this really it? Surely... No. Um, surely it can't just be me and these other three people. Yeah. <laughs> so. No, but well, well, at least there are the three of us. Paving the way. Great. Well, oh. we well thank you for having me, ladies. This is so no, much fun. And hopefully all of your us. listeners will get a lot out of it. Um, and yeah, I look forward to catching up with you offline as well. Mm. If anybody sort of wants to get in touch with you to talk about anything that we've um, talked about today, so what's the yeah. best way to do that? Uh, email is usually best, so it's rupal at entrepreneura.co.uk. Mm -hmm. Okay, yes. yes. Great, fantastic. And everybody have a happy Christmas and a stress-free December. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>